and I am full of expectation for 2020. You know, uh, December like last one, we've not had that before. What happened? I am so grateful for all the testimonies we heard. It was very powerful. And allow me to say a few things. Last Sunday, I gave you a statement on the uh, paint attack, and it actually kept us quite busy this week also. We saw reports in the newspapers, but mainly it left us with a big sensation of gratitude. We have so many letters coming in. People talk to us in the Jesus Life meeting point at the conference where we were with our information stand. So many people say we're praying for you, showing their solidarity. Really powerful and we're very grateful. If you are here and have the opportunity to share, please do tell the people that it really touched us, moved us and a great blessing for us. And of course, also the official statements that uh, our mayor gave. I mentioned that last Sunday. I thought it was very courageous of him how he took a stand, or even the Evangelical Alliance. It was really, really great. And then we had uh, reports in the media, which we were also very grateful for because it was very fair, especially by the uh, regional media here, the Southwestern. Uh, Broadcasting Corporation, and also the deacon of the Lutheran Church here in Tübingen. We were very grateful to have her statement. And so we see tremendous solidarity. Even though there might be a few critical thoughts, that's not a problem, because we can write about this, we can share and speak, and we see some things uh, critically as well. But you can talk about criticism. But in times as such as these, it's important to stand together. And what I'm especially touched by were our Jewish friends. Because we, for Hanukkah, I think that was the last candle that we lit here. That was also last Sunday, right? There was such a powerful statement here also by them as a community that they stand with us. And also we heard from the community in Stuttgart how they're connected with us. And I would like to share with you as a church. And this is also our heart's attitude. There was a letter to the editor by also Claudia and the leader that they want to... Um, get to know us and we invite them but we said them but please when you come without paint or fire so you're welcome to come and of course the question why were we attacked we can't solve all of that here but the uh, media said it was a political attack and pointed to the uh, so-called confessor's letter a so-called feminist cell from the radical left wing department. But my question is, and this is kind of a very fitting introduction to my message, was that really all? You know, we are an evangelical free church here, Oftos. We uh, stand side by side with many other free churches in our creed. Was that really all? In the last statement on Sunday, I mentioned one of the most important reasons in an increasingly hostile uh, atmosphere against Christians. I thought that was the reason. I probably will write more about this at some other point. But at the same point, you have to say that if we take a look at our Jewish friends, their synagogues and whatever else is happening, we cannot compare to them at all because they truly live in a climate of constant threats and enmity against Jews and hatred and anti-Semitism. You know, we cannot compare to that in any way at all. 
And when we are together with our Jewish friends, they share stories like it happened in Berlin recently, the uh, Forum Israel with our staff there. We had an event there at the Brandenburg Gate, and there a rabbi also lit the candles for Hanukkah. And he had been attacked physically in Berlin. And then he shared of how he tried to get an apartment in Berlin. And 56 times he was rejected. And maybe in Berlin that's nothing special. But what he was shocked about was to find that with these rejections, there was massive hatred of Jews that was expressed up to the term of you should all be gassed and terrible things like that. So we don't want to be intimidated in any way, and that's our statement. We will not stop raising our voices for the good news of the gospel, and especially not raising our voices against any form of anti-Semitism and hatred of Jews. Together, we will keep doing that. And Guido mentioned that there is an excellent opportunity to do that. You know, what would happen if now the Paul Horn Arena, that's how we planned in April 2020, we had 3,000 people, that's the capacity of it. And if you're watching over TV, come and register, because we want to make a statement together. And one of them will be on Good Friday, that we will put up a cross and we'll all march out from the hall, we'll have a confession march, uh, right to the market square in in the city and we'll put up a cross there not just over tubingen but we will tell the world you will not be able to bypass the cross and we want to honor jesus with that and it would be wonderful to have as many people as possible from all over germany to stand together here and also of course there's the march of the nations it is so important that on the 14th of May, we will come to Israel for the March of the Nations. So if you are watching Viatos TV, some way or the other, if you're connected to us, I believe this would be a second amazing and important proclamation to have the March of the Nations in seven cities of Israel. So that was my introduction. And now, kind of to get into the message. Because it's really interesting to see that even in the newspapers we can read about persecution of Christians nowadays. Recently I read that this year alone there have been more than 100 attacks against Christians, Christian symbols, physical injuries, uh, arson. And this is actually the topic of this message, not persecution, but something completely different. Actually, a very encouraging message. But we need to put into perspective what's going on. And the title of the message is A Sign That Will Be Spoken Against. And the word I'm reading is in Luke 2, verse 34. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, he is destined for the rise and fall of many in Israel, and he is destined to be a sign that will be spoken against. A sign that will be spoken against. And so in the service on New Year's Eve, I spoke about our wonderful verse here, which is the motto for the year. You are sending your light to all nations, and you bring honor to your people Israel for the glory of your people Israel. So that is the story of Simeon when Jesus is presented in the temple 
and then it says that Simeon is waiting for the comfort of Israel and the Holy Spirit led him to the temple right at this specific moment and he sees Jesus, recognizes that he is the Savior and Redeemer, takes him in his arms and praises God and says this prayer. So, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. So, there's a few other sentences in the prayer, but this is what I focus on. And for glory to your people Israel. And so, the word about this light to the Gentiles, that's something that's been with us for many years. You know, Isaiah 60, arise and shine. So, the word light is something you come across in the Bible in 270 different passages or in Hebrew and Fos in, in Greek different significances, meanings, fire, revelation and we see that God is surrounded by glory and light and in Isaiah 60 we see the well-known verse darkness covers the nations and the question is what do we do about this darkness? Because you can't have a discussion with darkness. You can't have arguments against it. But for darkness, it will only go away when you light a light, and when you turn on a light. And the good message is that even the light of a single candle cannot be snuffed out by any darkness, however great it is. So light really has tremendous power. And in the beginning of the Gospel of John, we read, because John also writes a lot about the light. And we see in John 1, verses 6-9, to He was sent from God to testify about the light, so that through him all men might believe him who is the light, because he himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to the world is he who came into the world to bring the light to every man. And he was coming into the world. So that's something that I was really thinking about. What's to, is it, does it mean to be a witness of the light? Because John was a witness of the light. And maybe we can imagine it this way. If we take a clear night and take a look at the moon, and the moon is shining and bright and it's wonderful, the night is lit up by the moon, we still know that the moon itself does not produce light. So everything around the moon is simply dark, darkness. And it's actually exciting to watch. If you take a closer look at the universe, everything is black, it's dark. And of course we know that light is reflected by the heavenly bodies. And even more than that, light is actually invisible. We only know that light is there once it comes across an object, it can light up. So as human beings, we cannot see light unless somebody receives it accepts it and reflects it. And that's the thing, because the, the rays of the sun are invisible from Earth. You know, there is no uh, light beam like with a lamp that you can see. But the rays of the sun reflect from the particles in the atmosphere and it starts shining. And this way, light can travel billions and billions of miles through utter darkness without leaving any trace until at one point it 
comes across something that will reflect it. And this is what happens to the moon. So the moon actually catches the light and reflects it. The moon is a witness of the light. The moon is proof that the sun actually produces light, that there is light. And this is what we see here. God is using someone who is receiving the light and who becomes a witness of the light. So someone who reflects the light. And so that's why we read in 1 John 1 verse 7 that we need to live in the light, walk in the light. He says, walk in the light. Because we can be in the light beam of God, we can be in the light, and then we can reflect His light, or we are not. And we live in darkness. And this is what this passage is speaking about. So the light needs something to reflect it. You have to reflect the light. And these are people who don't hide the gospel, who know the gospel. These are people who are not going into hiding in any way. And this is what Jesus says to the disciples. You are the light of the world. So it doesn't burn out of your own decision. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a mountain cannot remain hidden. But nobody who lights a lamp puts it under a bushel. That's Luke 11.33. But you put it onto a lamp so everyone can see and enjoy the light. So we see what Luke says about the light here. And now you are sending the light to all nations and bringing glory to your people Israel. So the light is the light of God. It goes forth from him. And this light is also the light that we know that Israel is called as a light to the nations. Arise and shine. So this word, first of all, is to Israel and not to us. And then, of course, it's for us too. And then it is the light of Jesus, because God sent his very own son, Jesus, into the world, who said, I am the light of the world. So that's the light. And then it's your own light. It's you. So if it says here, all uh, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, to all nations, that's you. It's your light that shines. You are called as a, to be as a receptor and reflector of the light. So you receive it and you reflect it on. You pass it on to others. You are reflecting his light like a mirror. And on the other hand, if we start hiding this light, it will remain hidden and darkness will prevail. But I've got good news for you. And this good news is that the light of God will not grow less in 2020. It does not decrease. The light of God has the same power, not as in 2019, but the same power as at the time of Acts of the Apostles. Reinhard Bonke says, the light of God, the Holy Spirit, does not have a loose connection. So the light of God does not have a loose connection. The Holy Spirit is not just some wandering light that goes on and off. It doesn't come and then it's uh, hidden and I remain in darkness. But God himself is faithful and there is no change to darkness in him. So tell the person next to you, God is faithful. There is no changing into darkness with him. 
So James 1 verse 17, oh, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Who of you knows that song? You know the verse here? It comes from above, from the Father of lights. And there is no change in him, no turning of light and darkness. So there is no changing in him. So there is no one who switches on and off the light, like children love to do, you know, on, off, on, off. He's not doing that. There is no changing in him. He doesn't change like a shifting shadow. There is not a d d dimmer, a d d well, you're not a dim bulb, d you know, you're not a dim wit. So, tell the person next to you, there is no dim wits with God. So he doesn't just dim the light a little bit and, you know, then turn it on again. But he always has the same power, it's the same light, the same intensity. He is the father of lights. And this light has the same power in the nations. And that's why Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Without this light, darkness comes upon a nation. And so, as we said just now, the chosen people, Israel, is called to be a light to the nations. That means without Jewish life and without friendship to the chosen people of Israel, a nation is not doing well at all. Amen? But in the same way, this is true that if Christians, if believers start shutting up, if they are scared, if they are no more a testimony for the truth of the Word of God, a nation also is not doing well. The light is switched off in that nation. And that's the battle we're in. That's a struggle we're in right now. Everywhere, not just now, here, 2020, here. This has been around for hundreds of years. But that's the battle we're in, light and darkness. And there are elements over and over again that keep trying, of course, that try to turn down the power of the gospel of this light, take it away, not by switching off the light, but by Christians, stopping Christians to be light and by watering down the gospel. And so we are living in a culture of century with rationalistic mindset, criticism of the Bible that started eroding the foundations of Christian faith. And it used to be former Christian Germany and Europe, and now these foundations are watered down. And we have been robbed of what truly was the strength and foundation of the nations here. And so this is what happens in a nation's that is not closely connected to Israel and Christians have stopped being light, have stopped living the gospel and believing in it, we stop being light. And therefore, we see in verse 31, it's such a close connection. You know, you bring glory to your people Israel. So when we understand what who is the light and what it means to be light, there is no way around it but bringing glory to the people of Israel, honoring it with the glory and presence of God, blessing Israel. And you know, when we understand what this light truly is, and when we start reflecting that light, Something completely new can happen. And I believe in a year of breakthroughs. I believe in a year when the light of God will shine forth in a completely new way. Not because the light becomes stronger, 
But because Christians actually allow less and less that they're intimidated and they don't withdraw into their own little shell and they uh, walk around with inferiority less and less, but they will be confident and boldly stand with the word of God. And they will stand with the foundation of the gospel, with the cross, with salvation, being born again, having new life, living in purification and living in the light. And who knows that if we live like that and talk about this, we actually will be spoken against. Any of you experience this? I believe many of us, right? And this is what the second part here says. Luke 2, verse 34. Because Simon, Simeon, he saw Jesus, the Son of God, he saw him as a baby. And then he speaks to the mother, to Mary, something that she had never heard before because she was amazed to hear this prophecy. So that's amazing because it wasn't the angels who prophesied that because they said, behold, I'm bringing you glad tidings, great joy. They could have said there'll be great joy but a big problem at the end of his life. No, that's not what they said. But it's Simeon here, the first one who prophesies about Jesus what will happen to him. He says, this child is destined to be a blessing for Israel, and he will be a prophetic sign. So the Greek word here is emeon. There is an entire theology around that, a lot of theological significance. He'll be a sign. And so this prophetic sign is something you also find in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, you see it over and over again. There were signs like that. Signs in the heavenlies, signs of the covenant, the circumcision and everything. Signs that God gives prophetically. So these signs that are then connected with miracles, we know that from signs and wonders. And so we find these signs from the beginning of the Bible right down to Revelation. We find them. And so Simeon here says, and he speaks about this sign he has, the child in his arms, he raises him up, worships God about him, and then he says, this child will be a prophetic sign, and then you expect oh, a sign of glory, of power, of love of God, and so on. He says, a sign that will be spoken against. And the basic word here is an anti-logos. And even if you do not know Greek, you can combine those two words. It's a word against something. So that's the sign. Spoken against. There will be resistance. There's an anti-logos, a word against him. And the significance here is that people will fight against him. They will deny him. Others will fight against him. He will be rejected. And don't we see that in the life of Jesus? Of course we do. All of the passion story, that's what happened. Denied. The Pharisees and Sadducees spoke against him. There were rumors, bad reports. He was rejected. And the meaning of anti-logos is also that others don't want to have anything to do with him. And that's what happened when he was at the cross. Most of his disciples ran away. Most of the 70 had left him earlier. And even there at the cross, only the women and John remained behind. But most of the others 
were f far away. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. And here Simeon in his prophecy, in his prayer, he says, Jesus, you'll not only experience that yourself, he speaks about him, that's how I imagine that, Mary and Joseph, you won't only experience that yourself, bad rumors, resistance, but prophetically you will be the sign of generation after generation of born-again believers who walk in the life of reconciliation, spirit of love, who will be light committed to the living God, and yet they will experience the same thing. And this is what we see in the New Testament. Jesus keeps speaking about this over and over again. For instance, the uh, parable of the wicked gardeners of the vineyard, the tenants, we see that in Luke 18. You know, there is the vineyard and the owner rents it out and then he sends his servants once, twice, three times, and then they're killed and maltreated. And in the end, he says, well, when I send my son, they will treat him well, they will take the word seriously, but then even the son is killed. And then what he says, in other words, he says, there will be division because of Jesus. The stone that's rejected by the builders has become the chief cornerstone, has become the foundation. So this chief cornerstone of Jesus as Savior, if you don't believe that, if you don't build on that, you have built on sand. Even though the house might look pretty and luxurious, and those who fall on the stone will be crushed, and on whom it falls will be shattered. So, to put it in other terms, there is division because of Jesus. And then, when Paul has reached the end of his ministry, and when he was coming to Rome, he was supposed to be, uh, he was supposed to be uh, auditioned by the court in Acts 18.22, they said to him, well, we would like to know your views, because we learned that your Faith, the, your direction of belief is actually spoken against everywhere. And she said, ah, well, it happened to him as well. Okay. Because sometimes we think that if we come uh, against uh, discussions and people are contradicting us and you ha tell them about following Jesus and they have big question marks on their foreheads and you think, wow, how naive am I actually? How stupid am I? They will consider me stupid. They really think I'm naive. Anyone thought that way before? Oh, the other person really thinks I'm stupid. But I've got good news for you. You know, Paul also experienced that. And then 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8, because the word of the cross is foolishness. Total stupidity is one other translation for that, to those who are being lost. The word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the intelligent of the intelligent I will frustrate. 
Verse 22 and 23, Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. And so I'm wondering why is Jesus such a sign that will be spoken against? Well, actually, it's quite simple, because he is the Son of God and the Redeemer, right? That's the first point. And the second thing is, and you really have to add that immediately, because no intelligence, no mind can grasp that. First Corinthians 2 verse 9, but what no eye has sees, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. So if you are here and your mind is full of thoughts, that's not a problem because you are just like every other human being also. If you are here and you're full of doubt and you don't exactly know how to deal with things, that's not a problem because the Bible sees your and my life just the same. So if you are sitting here and you are full of experiences maybe, and these experiences actually prevent you from having that personal encounter with Jesus, that's no problem for God. But you have to know that the very instance, the very thing that can reveal to you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, it's not you yourself. I can't do that. Not even the wisest professor in the world can do that. But this one thing is the Holy Spirit. Because only the Holy Spirit can reveal it to those, and the Bible calls it, reveal it to those who open their hearts for it. Your mind cannot grasp it, cannot conceive it. Your eye cannot see it, cannot behold. Your normal mind considers it stupidity, naive. How can you possibly live like that? But the answer is, the Holy Spirit is the very thing who wants to show you what, something you've not understood it until now, and the Bible calls it, reveal it to you. The Holy Spirit is willing to show you secrets, to reveal things to you, very simply to those who took that one decision in their life. You might be pondering and thinking, discussing, reading philosophical books. You can do whatever you want, but God actually considers your decision so important that this very decision is the most important decision of your life. And this decision is, yes, I want to open my heart. You ca cannot become light unless you receive that light, unless you allow the light to come in. And this is what verse 32 says here in its basic significance. You can read that in another German translation here. It's a light for revelation to the nations. It also says that in the NIV. Jesus is the light that actually shows on the nations. Who of you is part of a nation here? Well, of course, everyone, right? A light for revelation of the nations and for the glory of your people Israel. So you need revelation. 
And the Greek word for revelation is apocalypsis. So something is revealed that had been hidden before. And so, you know, when a new car, like Mercedes releases a new model, a new maybe electric car or whatever, then there's a big veil, a blanket that covers the car, uh, car, and sometimes they kind of put things underneath to even hide the form and shape. You don't know what's coming out of that. And to reveal that is exactly this. You take away that shroud and now you see exactly the shape and form of what the new model is going to look like. That's a revealing. Something is shown, something is made public, something is unveiled. And so I've got good news for you. Because some people think, okay, well, hmm, maybe by the end of my life, so now I have to dig around for some treasures I'll never find. But the good news is, that's not true. Because you won't be digging around for treasures that you'll never be able to find. But Jesus says, but those who begin and those who search, I will guarantee them. I'll give them a guarantee. Those who seek will find. So that means it is guaranteed to you. You've got the certificate as soon as you start, as soon as you take that decision to open your heart and approach him, even though you don't feel anything, don't understand anything, even though your mind might be turning in circles, but simply the fact that you're taking that decision to open your heart and approach him, telling him, Lord, here I am, that gives you God's guarantee that you will find him. Wow, I really like that. He who seeks shall find, and all who knock to hit them shall be opened. So that's not just a timid kind of knocking, knock, knock. Sometimes it's quiet, sometimes it's noisy, but it doesn't matter what it sounds like. But as soon as God realizes, we approach Jesus and come to him and say, Lord, could you be there for me? Could you meet me here? Is it really true that you are the son of the living God? Immediately, the Lord opens the door to this revelation. The Holy Spirit opens up to you. That's something you can't make happen, but it's something the living God does for you. You know, you cannot overcome and jump across that big chasm between you and God. You cannot fill the void in your own heart. The only way is to open your heart to Him, to begin to receive Him and say yes to Him. Romans 10 verse 10. So to all who believe in their heart, they shall be accepted by God. And those who confess their faith, they shall find salvation. So what you confess with your mouth. So how many people have found Jesus? Not because they understood him or understood what was going on, but simply because they took that one step of faith. Jesus, if you are here, I want to get to know you. Anyone here who got to know Jesus this way? Many, many, many here. And it really works the same for you. If you are here, or maybe you're watching through TOS TV, and it's also true for all of those who you will be talking to. Because I told you, God has sent you as a light into dark places. So God is sending us, and he sets ablaze a light. And then verse 13, we read, All who confess the Lord and call upon his name, they shall be saved. And now, in closing, 
maybe just a few memories or reminders maybe I grew up and actually uh, quite a whole family harmonious and then when I got saved something really strange happened and at first I was quite confused because I joined a church and for the first time I realized what it actually means to be attacked for my faith. There was so much struggle and strife all of a sudden. There were friends who took me by the hand and taught me how to share the gospel and all of a sudden I realized that people actually started saying really negative things about me. Suddenly it was the end of harmony. It was really strange. You know, I became a believer and that was the end of harmony. Because I thought, now harmony will increase, there'll be the icing on the cake, now it will be the cherry on the cake, and I can just enjoy my life. But actually, that's not what happened. You know, and then later I joined the army, and of course, I put my Bible on my desk, I put up a poster and whatnot. And the other soldiers around me, they almost ate me alive. And one of the nicest things I heard was pig's priest great and so this is what the Bible says when you become a believer when you follow Jesus suddenly you are marked yes you carry the mark of salvation of grace of course you wear it and people will know you you can read that in Revelation also it's similar as we've seen in other places as well. You know, there's also a mark of darkness. But when you are saved and when you have become a child of God, both in heaven and on earth, you will be recognized. The mark of love, reconciliation, grace, the mark of the cross, people will know you. And at the same time, you become a living letter of Christ. So something is happening from the first day on of your life as a believer, it has become known that you are a letter of Christ written not in ink, but in words of the living God, not on stone tablets, but on tablets of flesh in your hearts. Yes, I did open my heart. And the Bible says a heart of flesh. So a heart of stone is turned into a heart of flesh. I take all my sin and guilt to the cross. And so I am marked by the redemption and grace of Jesus. But secondly, you become a testimony. You reflect the light. You bring the gospel into places of darkness. But you also bear that mark. And that's the mark of Jesus in you. And it is a mark, a sign that will be spoken against. And therefore, it doesn't matter where you go, when you speak about the gospel, when you speak about the cross and about revelation and grace in your testimony, next to the mark of the grace of Jesus, you also bear the mark, that will, the sign that will be spoken against. Maybe in your families, all of a sudden you realize, wow, this is really strange. Maybe you used to take drugs, were an alcoholic, your life was destroyed. And for the people, it was okay. But now you've become a believer. You gave your life to Jesus. You follow the living God. You became free of drugs, of alcohol. Your life started changing. You don't keep changing your relationships anymore. And all of a sudden, your family really has a problem with you. 
Ever experienced anything like it? And same thing true for your job. You used to drink, you used to cheat the tax authorities, you used to do all sorts of things and it was okay for everybody. But now you say, no, I won't do that anymore. I want to live according to the word of God. And all of a sudden people ask you, well, who brainwashed you? Who changed you? You know. So you find that everywhere, even at the university. Things are said and you don't agree to that anymore. And there is a noisy, loud response. People are shouting against you. Everything's all right. But as soon as you get up, I believe in the living God and the word of God, everyone will attack you. And so you are marked by being born again. And when you follow Jesus, whenever you carry the light of God within you, you bear that sign that will be spoken against. Spoken against maybe in the word of God, as the living word that we obey. Spoken against Jesus maybe as the way, the truth and the life. Spoken against the cross maybe. The cross, my friends, is not just something that we put as a pendant on a chain or that we put up on our altar, but the cross is the very cross that Jesus died upon so you and I would be able to repent of our sin and turn away from it. The cross represents redemption, salvation, the grace of Jesus. The cross represents the fact that we no longer live as we used to live. The old has passed away. Behold, everything has become new. The cross represents the fact that I don't just live a Christian lifestyle. Uh, and I go to bed with one person after the other and live as I used to be, but I allow my life to be sanctified and changed and be focused on the principles of God. So the cross is the door to eternal life. Just like the uh, one of the criminals next to Jesus on the cross and who just one thing is, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So you will be spoken against when you speak about heaven and hell, when you speak about discipleship, following Jesus, and you will be spoken against when you start living in a living church. And so I want to ask you, do you want to be such a sign or bear such a sign that will be spoken against? You know, you don't have great choice when you follow Jesus. Or do you want to fight against this? Do you want to be a reflection of the light of God? Because in the same way, we, we can also hide. That's possible. We can withdraw into our little cave. You know, we can just be anywhere. But if we live that way, we will not be able to bring the light into darkness. And that's not how we want to live, right? Because the light of God will not diminish in 2020. You know, I want to be a reflection of the light of God. I want to take the light of God into places. And where does that begin? When I focus on the light, when I be directed to the light, I read the word, I receive the word, I reflect on it. Because it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when I focus on in prayer and when I stand on, on his word, when I focus on him with all my heart, when I get aligned with him, 
And when I live like that, wherever I am, at university or in your family, or wherever you are, then you just say yes, you agree to this. You agree to being spoken against. And you say yes to the fact that people will not agree with you when you are light and a testimony. And my friends, I'm not speaking about the fact that we are stupid or impertinent or that we are unrespectful to other people, are not sanctified. But I speak about believers who bear the sign of the love of God, of reconciliation. And if you live like that, you are to know that this light, it doesn't matter how weak you might feel, this light will change your life, your family, your workplace, your university, your place of training, your school. You will bring the light of God into these places, the power of the light of God. He is the father of lights. And this light has the same power today, but we need to say yes to be this sign, the sign that will be spoken against, because that's Jesus, and Jesus in us. He is the sign that will be spoken against, and we bear it. And that means we have to stop, or we need to stop, trying to please everybody around us. Because that just doesn't work. So you should stop waiting for the moment of harmony when it will just be right to, s to share the gospel. Who of you knows that this moment will never come? We need to stop trying to do right by people and where we used to live like that, or maybe you used to live like that, you need to take that decision and it will bless you and bring you anointing and power. But maybe there are some people here and you say, wow, I want to be someone who reflects the light. You can only be light when you receive Jesus as light. And if you're here, maybe someone invited you to come, or you've been coming to the service for many weeks, or maybe you are joining us through TOS TV. But you're not quite sure yet whether you truly have such a living relationship to Jesus. You're not certain. You've never taken that decision, this decision to truly open your heart, to come to him, to seek him. You live a Christian lifestyle. You hope for the best. But life as a believer is not a life of hope, but a life of faith. Because faith comes from the Word of God, the Word of God that I take and receive and agree to and say yes to. And maybe you're here and you say, wow, I want Jesus to truly reveal himself to me today, that he will be my revelation. And you no longer want to search and dig around for treasures. You don't want to think that you will not be successful for the next coming 10 years. But the only thing you have to do is open your heart to him today. Decide to receive him. And his light will come from the very first moment. You will be a testimony. You will be a light for other people. So let's all stand and let's pray together.